0: Hey guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Two Social Workers and a Microphone. This is your girl, Melanie and Amanda. Thanks for joining us again. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, we just want to say thank you for tuning in for our second episode. We just know that the first one was just really a get to know us and we hope that you uh, we're able to find out new and interesting things about us. Uh, so we are now going to get into the purpose, really, for this podcast, and it just really that's it's really going to pertain to our what thoughts and feelings yeah. about and our social experiences yeah.
0: and. What things have been like, and you know, maybe you all have had some of the same experiences or can relate to some of the, the situations that we've been in. But on today's topic, we are going to talk about what, Miss Melanie?
1: We're going to talk about uh, training versus reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a social worker, there's you have to go through some type of training internship in order to gain knowledge about your position. So I just we just want to go back to the basics. Like, how did you feel about that? For some that may have probably been a year ago. For others, it may have been 20 years ago um, or like 30. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. So we just want to, you know, really just go back to the to the basics and just talk about training versus reality. Mm-hmm. And really, does it really
0: is it helpful? Is, it, Is helpful? it beneficial? Is it beneficial? Does it meet your expectations of what you thought? You know, you go into a job, you get some on the job training, but does that training really line up with what you're really doing in the field? Right. Sometimes it does and sometimes not so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, and that's why, and, and, uh, really too, you know, we have a lot of new social workers mm-hmm. and to me, if as a young social worker, if you're not, properly trained or feel comfortable in your position, then this younger generation, let's just be honest, will quit in a minute. You yeah. know, it's like, they're kind of like, no, this is not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is for me. And, you know, they're out onto the next
0: oh. position. And, and Amanda, you know that certain fields really have a high turnover mm-hmm. rate. Very much so. And it kind of makes me wonder, though, you know, I've heard some some feedback from folks that have been in the field for a while that have, you know, that's kind of something that's brought up is this high turnover rate from younger social workers. Mm-hmm. And it's this thing, is the work ethic different? You know, do they have a poor work ethic or do they are they better about setting boundaries of what their expectations are within mm-hmm. the workplace? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know I've gone back and forth in conversation with some folks about that. It's like, well, it could be perceived by us that have been in the field a little bit longer. Of, oh, this younger generation's lazy or they don't have the same type of work ethic or Maybe they're just better at saying no. I'm not I'm about not to going do to. that. Right.
1: I am not about to drive <laughs> three hours to take a kid to placement. Yes. And then turn them back around and pick them up the next and morning. pick them up the next morning. <laughs> like no. Yeah. Which our generation we were like, sure, I'll work 36 hours straight. It's fine. You know, it's no okay. I don't do need start? sleep. No, I don't need sleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sleep. What it's is it? What is sleep? Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, there's policies in place that say I can only work so many hours with. Of a day. That's okay. We can overlook it today. I'm gonna get that over time. Yep. And I think, you know,
1: maybe with this new generation they are going by the policy. Right. They're just kind of like, like, no, no, yeah. so I'm not about to do that. So um so Amanda, like what what are your thoughts about training mm. that you experienced? I know that was some years back, but you call me old. I feel like you're calling me old right now. Sorry, <laughs> I though. Know. Judgment I free zone. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. i old. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: Jesus was walking the earth when I got into my training. Maybe um, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. About I mean, I feel like when I first got into a social services field, um, you know, I went through pretty extensive training, but you know, my undergrad was not in social work. Mm-hmm. So I did not have the experience that some folks who do have like a bachelor's degree in social work, you know, they may have had internships and had, you know, some some field experience. I just came into it and was like, here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, hope for the best. And my training experience was very unique. Um, very, very interesting um there really aren't words uh how to explain what I went through in my training because there was another person who I was in training with who it there was very much um some tension there Mm -hmm. um and so training was very awkward because there was a lot of like um personal attacks that were very weird and bizarre. And ultimately that person after they got out of training ended up actually getting fired Hmm. because of their actions. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, there's that. But as far as what I actually experienced in training, um, I don't feel like I was adequately prepared for what the field actually was like. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I actually got out there on my own, it was, Oh, it was a little little scary. uh, It was scary. It was very.
1: um... It's kind of like, you know, you (laughs) got on this, you know, it's kind of like you got on this little boat Mm -hmm. and they were like, hey, you know, we're about to now take you to your your destination. But the destination was like in the middle of the ocean. And it was kind of like you know, here you go. And they just threw you out. (laughs) The storms rose. You know, threw you out the boat. And it was kind of like a sink or swim type situation. You know, you either going to make it or you're going to quit because there was people that I went through training with when I first started um, working in social services that did not continue. It was kind of like they did their one year, two year, and they were kind of like, you know what? Mm -hmm. It's not for me. It's, it's not for me. And, you know, I appreciate that because really social work is not for everybody. You definitely you know. have to have a heart for social work and you have to be willing to work with everybody mm-hmm. and understand the reason why they do some of the things that they do, because right. it could be because of their, the way they were raised, their culture, their religion, all of that plays a part mm-hmm. and you have to really be sensitive um, to that yeah absolutely absolutely uh but yeah like as far as for me I, the the same thing i did not major in social work uh in undergrad so when i went to training i was like is this really it mm-hmm. you know it it, it it i was thinking that oh this is about to be a breeze you know like <laughs> <laughs>
0: They set you up for failure, Melanie. You were set, set up for failure. failure.
1: And then they had us do a role-playing, which I love oh. to act. So, you know, I was the main one. Yeah, I'd be the unruly teen, you know, because, you know, I love to act. And you know, I feel like I'm a little dramatic at times, you know. But I felt, you know, like, is this it? You know, I can do this. I can talk to people and ask them questions. You know, I'm a people person. You know, I can help them out, you know, in the time of need. I can do this, you know. You know, so... um. Yeah. I was just thinking that it was gonna be kind of like a walk in the park. Mm, um no. until they hit that fifteen on my tree, my little case. Load. <laughs> and, and I said, surprised. Oh I'm supposed to work all these at the same time. You know, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like how I felt when I first started in the field. But as I started to get my groove, I, I really did have that passion. Um, with helping people. So, you know, it's kind of like I found my way on how to juggle all of these different tasks. Um,
0: What about as you got in, you know, more experience and more stuff under your belt and you kind of knew like how the pieces went together? What about continued training? What are your thoughts on how you felt like that? Was it beneficial? Um, You know, you do your yearly trainings that you got to do.
1: Um, To be honest with you, it depended on the course. It depended on, yeah. what, you know, what, you know, what course they were trying to update us on or train us on. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, like the culturally responsive mm-hmm. one, I felt like it was a really good training, but I felt like it, a lot of people were not grasping it. Right. Right. And I felt like, why are you continuing to allow certain people to take this same course when they're not getting it? Right. You know, there's no point to keep taking something over and over again, mm-hmm. and you're still, you know, not being culturally responsive right. to some of the to some of the people that are on your
0: caseload. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how I True. felt, you know, about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Did
0: mm-hmm. you have any trainings that like stuck out to you? Um, because I feel like I. Um, a lot of the yearly trainings I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just doing it You're to just doing it. do check mark a quota to get done for the year. But I always found the ones that stuck out to me the most were the ones that were um where I was learning something new, where like like there was one um, that I did one year on sex trafficking. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, So things Those, like mm-hmm. that, I felt like really stuck with me because it was giving me updated data. It was giving me new trends, you know, mm-hmm. learning like, oh, like, it because you remember when they used to do like the barcodes, like yeah. they used to tattoo the barcodes mm-hmm. and that's how that you knew somebody was being sex trafficked. But mm-hmm. then they got away from that. And so learning what the changes were and like how things had progressed where there were different you know, ways that people were signaling that they were in, you know, abducted. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how things have changed over the years. So I feel like those trainings were really good because you got up to date information of what was happening now. That was,
1: oh, yeah, courses like that, most yeah. definitely, because things are from month to month, year to year, is constantly changing, yeah. And so to be updated on that, and speaking of that, I really liked. Um, like our drug training mm-hmm. because it kind of pointed out things to expect. The new drug that's on the street now yeah. or terminology. Uh, terminology. Yeah. Uh, also, to like it was very important to know what certain drugs smelled like because we are walking into some of those houses where okay. they are actually manufacturing uh, drugs, yeah. you know, as far as like, for an example, meth. So it's like you have to be able to... Yeah. Recognize it, whether it be smell, what you see, all of that. Um, so you know you're not putting yourself or in your health in danger, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and I think that for me, those type of trainings need to be on the front end mm-hmm. to really prepare the newcomers, mm-hmm. far on what to expect. Instead of just you know, this is maybe how you handle an unruly teen, or how would you handle this? This um, mother is abusing, you know, this child. How would you handle that? You know, all of these those little scenarios that they used to give out, and then you had to act them out, and you would be like, okay, what goals would you put in place? I mean, those. I mean, yeah, those are things you need to know how to write a goal and mm-hmm. and all of that. But I think it's also good to know on the front end, like we're. The real things, like sex trafficking, mm-hmm.
0: drugs. Um, like, what are you really going to encounter? Like, because a lot of those role-playing exercises, really I don't. don't feel like they were really that beneficial. Because I don't feel like you can really, you know, especially when you have people that are new, you're trying to act out scenarios that you've not ever really experienced. No. You no. know, it's like, oh, I can't sit here and pretend what it's like to be a drug-addicted person, who doesn't have housing or doesn't have access to mental health treatment or whatever the case may be, when I haven't really been in, in, exposed. exposed. right? Yes. Uh, and so to really act those out, I don't know that they have any, just they're not really reality based. So. They're not, they're not.
1: And really too, it doesn't teach you the day to day of really juggling a whole caseload right uh what to expect far is when you have to write a court report or when you have to write a plan that has goals mm-hmm. and or you have to maybe supervise visits or you may have to take them to court or you may have to go pick a child up in the middle of the night because they ran away yeah. like those are things that I feel
0: like you're not really prepared for right. to deal with unexpected uh, yes crisis that that emerge and mm-hmm last minute things that happen and you can't, you have to learn how to incorporate that into the other hundred tasks that you have to get done that day.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Cause let me tell you, when reality hit me, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think I had, you know, all the meth caseloads, you know, I'm thinking like <laughs> it was meth. It was going to Melanie. That's what I felt like, but <laughs> I never, read, that's <laughs> that's exactly. Made. Meth, meth <laughs> Melanie. Melanie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, um, like what really made me um realize, okay, you know, like this is my job, this is real life, when I had to do a drug screen for the first time. You know, so we didn't do this in training, you know. So I'm <laughs> You didn't like, watch somebody <laughs> pee?
0: Right. Right. But I didn't watch somebody pull right. the drawers down, they exactly. have to pee in the so, cup. You know, I'm like, like,
1: you know, on their plan, they it was stated, you know, you have to submit to random drug screens. So I'm like, Am my so who's who's doing the drug screens? Oh, you are. Okay. So, you know, they come in for a random and you know, I'm like, okay. Uh, Where the drug screens? So, you know, people tell you where the drug screens are. That, you know, nice people, you know, co-workers, they trying to guide you, but they can't do it, you know, for you. So they like they in the bathroom up in the cabinet. OK, like cool. So I bring it back to them. So do I just hand it to them? Uh No, you have to go in. The, you have to go in the bathroom with them. Like, you mean mm-hmm. I'm going into a bathroom with somebody.
0: All up in their personal space. Exactly. All up in the personal space. And And you you get all the personal smells and sights and sounds that go along with it. And and that is not...
1: (laughs) You're not not trained for that. that I'm not trained for that. And then when you have the one who has something (gasps) clicking and you try not to look, you're like, what is that clicking? And I'm like, it kept clicking. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) So I had to actually stand in front of them Mm -hmm. and... A medicine bottle fell out where she had this little tool, little sharp tool thing on her finger where she was trying to poke the little foil that she had wrapped around the medicine <laughs> bottle. That's what was the clicking. And all she said was, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you, you just, just failed all the way. Like just, you know. Just sign and go. Yes. But, but those are things that I feel like that kind of made me realize this is what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um my first year of social work. Like this is what I do. All of yeah, the people personal very, space.
0: Very eye-opening. But yeah, I don't think that when folks really get into this line of work that there's anything that really prepares you. I mean, I feel like even shadowing with somebody because mm-hmm. you're not really taking ownership of what's happening, it's you're just kind of watching and then you kind of are judging. Um, but it's
1: different when it's you, right?
0: It's different
1: when all of the responsibility is on your plate. Right. And that is a heavy load to carry when you are determining somebody's um, life. life.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, everything that you do, everything that you're responsible for, ultimately impacts the long-term well-being that somebody's going to have. And while, yes, they're responsible for their own outcomes, like, we directly impact that. Most definitely. And you have to really make sure it
1: does not matter if the person is... If they're on drugs, Mm -hmm. if they are unfit mother, if they are a father who molested their child, if they are schizophrenic, schizophrenic, none of that matters. As a social worker, you are supposed to be non-biased and you are Mm -hmm. supposed to provide them with every reasonable effort. You're supposed to provide them with whatever resource that is available to ensure that they get what they need to meet their goal. Mm -hmm. And that is a heavy That's a burden to carry. That's a burden to carry because a lot of the time, when you're having to work with somebody who um, caused harm to their child, Mm -hmm. you have to put your personal feelings to the back burner. To the back burner. And everybody can't do that. But as a social worker, you have to do that because that is your job. Mm
0: Yeah. And I feel like that that's really where the training should be geared towards is learning how to balance, you know, that work life balance of where you set boundaries, where, you know, like being able to focus more so on how do I recognize what my biases are? How do I recognize where I might struggle and being able to speak it? Because Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a social worker, so because I'm a social worker, I should be welcoming and opening to everything. But if but we're humans, and we're going to have areas where we do have biases and where we have our preconceived notions about things, and if we don't acknowledge it and say, yeah, I struggle, you know, maybe with this group of people, because I had this life experience, they gave me this skewed vision. And if you don't acknowledge it and own it, then all you're doing is causing harm to your clients. Yes. So being able to have trainings that really focus more so on that and looking at, you know, taking that self-reflection so that you're not going out into the field causing harm to our clients. Right. Yep. That's a very good point. Identifying, you know, trainings that really are more focused on those situations and being able to look at our circumstances and look at where we need to set up better boundaries and having trainings that are geared towards like real life practice, yeah, you know, not these cookie cutter, like scenarios, right. That really aren't um, really real. They're not really real. Yeah. They're not real scenarios. I mean, they look good on paper and I'm sure they meet some type of state criteria, but it doesn't, they don't really, keep up with the times, you know, because everything shifts, everything changes, but they're not, you know, the trainings aren't necessarily keeping up with that. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, And do
1: you think that, because I know when you went to get your master's, you actually had to do an intern at, what, two or three different places? Do do you feel like that you actually be uh, doing your internship, do you
0: feel like that that equipped you... For now. For now. For now. So I feel like the internships that I did, because I knew specifically the type of social work that I wanted to do, because um, I felt like at that point in my career, I had kind of had so many different experiences, I knew kind of what my passion was at that point. So I I chose internships that were geared towards those, you know, because for me, it's mental health. Mm -hmm. That's my my thing. Um, And so doing internships in, you know, psychiatric facilities, it just helped me see like that was what, um, where my heart was, what my passion was. Um, But I felt like it also gave me like, real hand like first hand knowledge of like yes. hey this is what i'm going to see mm-hmm. working in the mental health field these are the type of patients that i'm going to encounter these are the situ- you know situations that i'm going to see and um it really helped me um get like real world knowledge of like yep this is this is what it yeah. is and this is you know it wasn't sugar coated no. it wasn't um you know, just something that was in a book or on a piece of paper, you know, it was real of seeing like the day-to-day workings within the facility and and working one-on-one with patients. And so when I graduated with my master's and then, you know, got into another hospital, I was like, I knew what to expect. And I felt prepared and I felt ready, even with going through their training and going through their job shadowing. Although, Actually, I didn't actually go through training. I literally walked in on my first day and had a caseload, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, but I felt prepared because I had those internships because I had, you know, that working knowledge. I could go into this hospital with no training and be able to pick up a caseload and work with it Mm -hmm. because I felt like I was semi-equipped, um, and You know, so I feel like having those internships are beneficial because that I feel like I got more knowledge and understanding of what the job entailed from those scenarios versus just sitting in a training and role playing. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I agree with you
1: um, on that, because like with my internship, same thing. You were basically an employee there. You Mm -hmm. just didn't get paid. Right. And they expected you to fulfill every task as somebody who was on the payroll. Mm -hmm. And I just had somebody there just guiding me, um, just saying, hey, maybe you need to handle this situation this way, or maybe you need to write the goal out for it to look like this. But it was really my responsibility. It was just, I had my field instructor there just to kind of help guide me. Mm um to make you know making sure that I was making the right decision but yeah I really enjoyed my internship and I felt like I I learned a lot um and so the next thing that I kind of want to I guess move to is really your thoughts about what does training need to look like today mm-hmm. um to ensure that we are educating social workers that can
0: maintain stability in the field. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that need to look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that getting away from these, like, classroom-type settings, I feel like you're not going to learn what the job entails within the classroom setting, mm-hmm. you know, sitting down with a notebook full of policies and, um, you know, having some role play events. I don't feel like that that's really going to tap into the reality. Like you've got to hit the ground running and be actually out in the field and actually see it firsthand, what you're yeah. walking into. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, sitting behind a chalkboard, I mean, you get that going through college. You get that going through, you know, going through getting your degree, but that's still doesn't adequately prepare you for actually getting into the role. So being able to be out there in the streets and out there in the field and working one-on-one with somebody to walk you through the training piece, like that's where like, like there needs to be where it shifts in that direction where we're getting out behind these, these walls and, and saying, okay, well, let's role play this scenario because no one takes the role play seriously. Oh, and, I know,
1: I didn't because yeah. you know, like I said, I was in drama. So when they were asking for volunteers <laughs> to be certain characters, I was like, hey, I got you, I got you. <laughs> yeah, the
0: the role plays they're just not really, they, yeah, they're not beneficial. They're, they're really no not. one takes it seriously. And it, and the thing is, is when you're in this type of field, it's a very serious role that you're in, and you know you know, acting it out with somebody else, it's it and two, when you think about it, I
1: rather have cause usually when you go through trainings when you first get hired, they're what about four weeks to six weeks, if eight that. weeks, if that. <laughs> well I know well long, long long, 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 long time ago, I think I was in the classroom I want to say it was probably about six to eight weeks because it was like one week I was in the classroom, one week I was, you know, at the office, maybe shadowing somebody. But again, just following them around. Uh, But I think it would be better to actually just have when they when you first hire a social worker, just have them shadow somebody for six weeks Mm -hmm. straight, because then to me, they will get that get the gist of, okay, I have to write this report, but I need to go supervise this visit. I also have to go pick this child up. Oh, and then I got to do this drug screen, but then I got to go, you know, do this, you know, get ready for this because all of that is happening at once. So if you having somebody maybe just shadow for a straight six weeks and then have them work the caseload along with the person that they're shadowing, mm-hmm. then maybe that can give them a better reality of
0: I think the only thing that I ever really came into with that type of setup was that a lot of times the caseworker themselves so overwhelmed that having someone shadow them is just one more thing, you know? Well, they would still take on the responsibility. Like mm-hmm. they
1: would, you know, like our internship, yeah. like how, you know, when we first oh, started. Oh, that they would and, maintain. I see what you're yes, saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes, it's this one caseload, but it's two people working this mm-hmm. one caseload. Yeah. Uh, to kind of make them have that, you know, some make, ownership, some it. ownership of it no. versus, you know, I'm going to this classroom setting, mm-hmm. sitting down here for three weeks to, to a month and
0: one year off. The and other. then
1: I'm actually on the job and I get to 10 cases all at once. Yeah. Where do I start?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: True. Uh, but I was reading an article um, that was put out. April 1st of 2019. And I thought it was very interesting because it talked about virtual reality, untapped potential for child welfare workers. So it's basically saying um, because of the high turnover rate and the long learning curves, which we were talking about, it says it has impacted the ranks of skilled caseworkers. And they're saying that uh, the virtual reality technology has the ability to change the status quo and deliver active learning techniques that can speed up training. Do you think that that's something
0: that would actually be beneficial to have mm? I think it would be interesting. I mean, a lot of the virtual reality stuff nowadays is so surreal. Like it's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've done some virtual reality games and I mean, they are so realistic that, I mean, I could see having it on the other side where you have this client who's like in your face, screaming, yelling, cussing you out, and then you learning techniques to deescalate and Mm -hmm. how to talk to somebody in such a way where you know you're showing empathy you're showing compassion you're utilizing those code of ethics that you learn um and and learning how to engage with somebody and so I, mean, I think you know it could be beneficial and I feel like you know we're we're a society that is more technology driven mm-hmm. and there's definitely a, a trend with you see like the doctors you know you could do the teledoc stuff. Oh yeah. And so mm-hmm. there's definitely a shift in that where you know technology is being used more. So I mean I could see where it would I, I think it would be an adjustment, but I could see it being I more think it beneficial. I think growing. it'll weed a, Yeah, I think it'll weed a lot of people <laughs> out too. They put mm-hmm. that on and they'd be like, oh no <laughs> and They need like the smells and this you know everything to go along with it. What
1: is up with you and these
0: smells though?
1: Look I have smelled something <laughs> You know, Amanda, I bet you have smelled some things. Mm
0: -hmm, Yeah, definitely. I've had some things. that have singed some nose hairs over the years. And (laughs) I'm sure I have some PTSD and some flashbacks from some of those smells. But, you know, they just don't. That's the type of things they got to prepare you for these trainings. Get you ready for real world applications. Yeah, you know, that is really,
1: you know, I mean, the. The thing about it is that's really part of the job. It's mm-hmm. like that those are things that you have to, you know, be prepared for. What would be good mm-hmm. if they have, you know, like you said, incorporate that in training mm-hmm. and blindfold you and put some different <laughs> smells in Ooh, front of your face. vision. What does this smell like? <laughs> what does this smell like? Funk. Eh, body odor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it smells like this. <laughs> Tappy. <laughs> yeah, it yep, smell like pee. smells like somebody <laughs> a wash day. In two months, which mm. that is true, people that People don't take baths, but um, we just want to know your thoughts, feelings, uh, how you felt during your training. Uh,
0: what are your thoughts around how to make it better? Yeah, for- what have your experiences been? Have they been positive or have they been negative? And what are ways to make those changes happen so that trainings are more effective? Like right. What are things that you can do within your agency and uh, where the trainings can be more realistic and, you know, apply to, you know, real world situations.
1: Yeah. And continuous, you know, training and education. Do you feel like that that's beneficial? So most definitely um, send us your thoughts uh, off on our Instagram page. Make sure you're following us, like, like and share. share, yes, and again, you know, Post those comments there, or you can also post them under this podcast, send us yeah. a message. But we want to, we really do want to hear from you because we're in this together. Lovely, yes. So make sure you're following us um, at SW underscore, is this real life on Instagram? And we look forward to hearing from you. And you know what, Amanda, I'm ju- let me just go ahead and give you all a piece of advice. <laughs> You know, when somebody, you know, comes up to you Mm -hmm. and they're putting unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. on you, which does happen. You make sure you tell them that we are social workers and not miracle workers. That's That's Jesus. Jesus. All right, y'all. Thank Thank you so much for tuning in until next time. Yes.
0: we